Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Running the Table, a podcast all about running and playing tabletop role-playing games. Today, uh, I want to say thank you to everybody who sent in any messages, and I want to again reach out to anybody who has a question, suggestion, or comment that they would like to see addressed on the podcast. Uh, you can send them to rttpodcast at gmail.com, or you can reach out to me on Twitter, where I am at Running the Table. This episode today will be focused on currency. So, currency is a pretty big deal. And I hope that with this series of world building episodes, you get a bit of uh, insight into how to create some interesting roleplay elements and give your, your world and your stories a bit more flavor when you're playing Dungeons and Dragons. And a lot of these can actually be carried over into other roleplaying games. Uh, when we're talking about settings and worlds, there are assumptions that are made in D&D that may not be made in other games, but a lot of the techniques and interesting ideas and concepts that you come up with when doing world development can be relevant for those as well. Currency, while there are a lot of specifics to Dungeons & Dragons in this talk, uh, currency is in and of itself something that is pretty common across a lot of role-playing games. Now, some games may just straight up use real-life currencies of some form or another, but many will have a fictional currency that they use. Now, this could either be more complex or more simplistic, and how you go with it is up to you as the one running the game, unless the system that you're working in has a very strict setup for it. So, let's start with an overview of currency in Dungeons & Dragons. Currency in Dungeons & Dragons has actually changed a lot over the years, um, but not maybe as much as you might think. There's kind of always been this uh, idea of copper, bronze, or copper or bronze, I should say, uh, silver, gold, and then maybe platinum. And the exchange rates between these coins has varied between different editions, and sometimes other things get brought in. Uh, fourth edition introduced this concept of an astral diamond, which is the step above platinum, uh, but that's been taken away for fifth edition. The one thing that is pretty standard is that these coins are in common usage, and they generally are made entirely of whatever metal they represent. Copper coins are copper. Gold coins are gold. It's very rare that there's alloys, and in fact, in 5th edition and in a few others, uh, the only alloy coin is typically Electrum. Electrum being an alloy of silver and gold. So, the conversion rates for the four major coins and the one coin that a lot of people love to hate uh, are outlined in both the Dungeon Master Guide and the Player's Handbook. Copper, silver, gold, and platinum all have conversions rates of 10 to 1. Uh, so 10 copper is 1 silver, 10 silver is 1 gold, 
10 gold is 1 platinum. Electrum is the only one that is the odd man out in the general, uh, the basic, I should say, currency rules. Electrum being worth half a gold. It's worth five silver. Now, that can make Electrum very interesting when gold is not actually used that commonly, but in certain games, gold becomes the de facto currency that is used most of the time, with copper and silver only being used for small incremental transactions. Adventurers tend to, in a lot of campaigns, pay for most things with gold because that's what they find the most of. Now, you can play with this however you feel. You could make Electrum, Gold, and Silver the only coins that are really used. Or you could even make uh, Copper to be the most commonly used coin, with Silver and Gold being rare and valuable. What's interesting, though, is that the Dungeon Master's Guide outlines several concepts for non-standard currency. And it can be very tempting to introduce a lot of these non-standard currencies. Some of them can be very fun, like a harbor moon that is worth 30 gold within one city, but it, outside of that city is worth maybe 10 gold or maybe nothing. Or introducing just the concept of different countries minting different coins that have different values the further away you are from that country and its trade partners. Now, as a dungeon master, unless this is the kind of game that you and your other players really want to play in, this can get a really get this this can get really confusing. Uh, it can get really complex, and keeping things separate, especially on a character sheet where you have to mark down that you have two Rubaxian silver and three hundred Terra silver coins it can get a little overwhelming, and you might even need a whole other sheet just for keeping track of your coinage. That said, you don't need to introduce that level of complexity to have some interesting interactions. Now, many places, if we're being realistic, would accept currency based on just the value of the metal alone. And that means, so what if you've got silver coins from this other country they're still made of silver. That said, you can introduce a lot of very interesting roleplay elements where the silver coins from whatever country happen to be valued less, specifically just because the country you're in doesn't like that country. Or maybe because that country is so powerful in trade, your characters get better treatment. And it can be as simple as, oh, well, we're going to prioritize these customers because they clearly come from a rich country or rich background because they have these coins from this nation over there that only is full of wealthy people. And you can do a lot of different things with this. You can even make it so, oh, you happen to be coming from this country and this is your first time outside of that country, so you pay with some silver coins and everybody gives you weird looks. Because you just outed yourself as a foreigner. Or maybe you even just accidentally used a type of currency that they don't use. Maybe silver coins here are replaced with iron coins. Who knows? 
The goal, though, is to make these kinds of currency changes more role play or scene setting or thematic rather than mechanical. If you really want to focus on making it easy, I highly recommend that you make them not so big on the mechanic side of things. Don't give them uh, varying values across the world unless you plan for that to be truly important and plan to make excellent use of it, such as uh, the Harbor Moon example I gave earlier, where in the city that uses them, uh, they are worth 30 gold, that city might be where they start out. And they are given Harbor Moons specifically to buy their goods and buy their initial packs. And if they don't do that, it can be seen as a, well, you kind of messed up because it's not that valuable outside of the, the city. Or you could even use that kind of currency as a specific way for quest givers to get some revenge on the other players. You know, if the characters interact with the quest giver in a very negative way, rather than giving them uh, 300 gold, they may give them 10 harbor moons that have to be purchased or have to be used within the city limits thereby limiting the actions of the adventurers to be based within that city. It works in that kind of a roleplay element. Now, that said, I wouldn't necessarily uh, push super hard for making the other players keep track of these. When you're working in a roleplay element like that, you can have a weird currency like that that's truly only valuable within the city, but I would say that it is up to the dungeon master to keep track of that kind of thing. I would say that the players can make an assumption that they could buy something relatively inconsequential and get change for it. And I think that that's a fair assumption to make. You know, if you've got these harbor moons and you've got 10 of them and you do happen to need rope and maybe a couple other adventuring goods, rather than uh, buy the rope with one harbor moon as well as all of the other adventuring goods with that same harbor moon, the players could theoretically have gone around and purchased rope at one store, uh, a bag at another store, and so on and so forth, just to essentially split as many harbor moons as possible. And that's something that you can kind of work out with them in your own roleplay, worthwhile adventure kind of interaction. Um, now, if you're doing it in a uh, specific way where you want the, the quest giver to tie adventurers down, uh, you want to make this a little bit more obvious of the the quest givers being a little devious with them. And, well, you know, I hope to see you again soon. I have many more jobs that pay even better. Please go out with these harbor moons that can only be used in one of the many establishments that I own and enjoy yourselves. Something like that, where it's very clear what the motive of the, of the quest giver is in giving them this weird currency. Now, 
Other currency items can be added merely for flavor. Uh, in the instance of different coins in different countries, or maybe even coins of different metals in different countries, or substances in different countries, can be interesting so long as you don't overburden your other players with keeping track of all of these different things. I mean, I would expect that if a country has currency like that, they would readily exchange at the border or with each other, and bordering countries would readily accept or exchange those other currencies. Uh, some examples are, say, a nation that is ruled by dragons as the aristocracy, and the dragons actually hoard gold and in exchange give out glass coins made out of obsidian that the dragons themselves make. So, in this country, people use obsidian coins instead of gold coins. But, within the country, it would be very easy to get obsidian coins in exchange for gold. The dragons themselves hoarding gold would probably love it. And, from the surrounding countries, you could probably just use those obsidian coins with no ramifications whatsoever, uh, as long as the country is friendly with the dragon country. That said, what I'd say is just, it's a flavor thing. It's only for roleplay. The players mark these down the same as any other gold coin. Uh, they keep track of all of them together because if this is such a thing, it's probably widely known enough and wouldn't be an issue unless they are somehow instantaneously teleported miles away from anybody who's ever had inter any interaction whatsoever with this country or its neighbors. It would be expected that people would know what these obsidian coins are like and what their value is. That said, you can also include some very fun things where uh, there might even be a, a nation where they truly just don't value the coins themselves that much. They value the metal, meaning that they will happily hack a coin in half and say that that's the same as five silvers. This is corresponding to real-life uh, pieces of eight where people would actually use an axe to split coins and pay just in pieces of coin. Uh, just because it was actual precious metal and it carried the same value as if it was minted or not. Um, and people would probably do that in an area where coins may not be common, but just bartering or valuable metals were. If you're in a barter economy and you've got gold, that's probably pretty valuable. People like gold. And at the same time, you probably don't necessarily have, people don't necessarily have the silver to break a gold coin in exchange for you. So you have to instead break a gold coin in half or in quarters or whatever. And that can be a fun flavor theme as well. But again, I wouldn't necessarily say that people would need to keep track of this on their sheet. I'd say it's, again, just a roleplay flavor or something to help set the scene of, okay, instead of uh, you're in a country that focuses on bartering, they don't mint their own coins, they don't know coins, 
the way to explain this or show this to your players would be as simple as they go into the tavern and as they're used to, they order drinks and they set a gold coin on the table. The bartender looks at it for a moment, pulls out a small hatchet and chops the coin in half, picking up half of the coin and leaving the other half there. They take their hatchet and walk back and soon enough, a few moments later, appear again with drinks that they distribute around the table. Please remove five silver. They only had to pay five silver all the same, which is a lot for that many drinks, but hey. But they got a little bit of the flavor with the subtext of that they don't have silver coins to give you. They literally took half of your gold coin. And the same can be said about adding interesting pieces or interesting developments around currency. Uh, you can introduce things like Electrum or similar things to Electrum that are treated as the halfway point between these coins. Or you can have uh, the reward for a quest be delivered in trade bars where they said that they'd give you 500 gold. But of course, carrying 500 gold coins, that's a lot. So, instead, they give you a single bar of gold that is five pounds. It's a five pound bar of gold that has an equivalent value to 500 gold coins. But because it's solid gold, they can do the interesting thing of shaving pieces off that equivalently weigh out to the same as a coin. It's easy to spend, but not hard to carry around. That's the point of trade bars in general. And if you really want to, you can always chop off a piece and get it exchanged for coins specifically. Many pl places in a world where coins and uh, precious metals are the standard would happily accept these varying ways of payment. That said, Dungeons & Dragons doesn't have to be coins. Banknotes and paper currency are also acceptable. You can make a world where gold is still the standard, but nobody really likes to carry around gold. And so there's a bank in this one nation that's decided to start storing gold for people and distributing notes that say, hey, you can always just come to a bank and get some gold. I mean, this is how most paper currency got its start, and it's not that hard to go in the same direction as pound sterling and related currencies. Even in the Renaissance eras, it was pretty common to see some sort of banknotes for large amounts of money. So, really what the big idea is, is that you can include a lot of variation around currency, and you can really do a lot to color and flavor the world and countries and settings and scenes that the players interact with by changing how currency is treated within the world. But, and this is a big but, you don't want to make it harder for the players to use their money. 
You don't want to make it harder for them to understand how much money they have and what the value is. You don't want to put the players in a situation where they have to spend more time doing math about their coins than actually playing out the scene in the tavern or in the shop. You don't want to make them have to do accounting in a game. I mean, unless they're into that. And that's totally up to you as a group to decide. But in general, people are into this game for some escapism. They're not into it to do real-life banking and accounting. So, what that means is the flavors and intricacies around currency that you do introduce into your world need to be easily transferable to the standard system that most players are used to. And this is going to be the copper, silver, gold, platinum situation. That said, you can do some very fun things outside of that, like having uh, a coin that's above platinum that is used super for super expensive magic items or like buildings, and it's only for the wealthy. Or you could even have some very specific handling around ancient coins. The coins that people find in the dungeon if it's an ancient ruin, you know, a 100-year-old coin, sure, it's gold. It could have the same value, just in gold, as a, a modern-day gold coin. But because it is 100 years old, the players might actually be better off selling these to somebody that's interested in ancient currency or in that history of that empire it could actually net them a bigger profit. And it can be very interesting to have fun roleplay instances or elements where people uh, introduce uh, some foreign currency as just a piece that they're spending and have people react very strongly to it in response to somebody's trying to spend this ancient coin. That kind of gives the players a hint that maybe there's something better to do with these coins. For instance, if uh, you've got a kingdom that was settled a thousand years ago by ancient peoples, and they minted gold coins and such, and you've happened to find a ruin of an ancient castle and deep, deep in the ruins, you open a chest and there's a hundred gold coins. And upon returning, you decide to drown your sorrows and celebrate the victory. Both at the same time, at the tavern, you order just drinks to keep them coming. Here's a gold coin. The bartender looks at it. And you've paid in gold coins before. The bartender's eyes go wide. He looks it over. He rubs some of the, the corrosion off and pockets it replacing a standard gold coin in his hands, and says, Right, of course, drinks are on me. Clearly there's something special about that gold coin. There's something different. Maybe they need to take it to a wizard or, or somebody else that knows a bit more about how this empire was put together. And maybe, just maybe, they'll figure out that the remaining 99 gold coins are actually worth almost 500 or even a thousand gold coins.
So there's a lot that can be done, but it is always important to remember currency is meant for flavor. The, the mechanics of currency should be kept as simple as you possibly can. And I think that this carries over into a lot of world-building things. There's a lot of intricacies that we can put into world-building and the settings that we develop that really need to be focused on the role-play or flavor aspects. They don't need to get in the way of the mechanics of playing the game. And if you're ever wondering, will it be hard for the players to keep track of all of this? The answer is probably yes. I hope that you have enjoyed this episode of Running the Table. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, suggestions, or just want to say hi, please send me an email at rttpodcast.com at gmail.com. Or you can always reach out to me or follow for updates on Twitter, where I am at running the table. So until next time, I wish you all the best in running your own tables. (laughs) 